0: So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Try and guess who had a jam-packed week, uh, full of hanging out with friends as if the world was still normal. Uh, It would be me. I'm that man. Um, Wednesday I got together with my good friend Ronnie. Uh, We got together with someone we haven't seen since high school. And he's a very nice man who uh, survived cancer and decided that he wanted to start his own business, uh, doing catering, because he'd been a cook all his life. And things are going well for him, which is good to hear, even during a pandemic when most businesses are suffering. So we all hung out. Uh, We went to a restaurant in northeast Minneapolis. And uh, that part got weird. I thought, well, people have been going to restaurants for all summer, and uh, I'm sure it's fine, right? I haven't heard any horrible news. So we go to this restaurant, and it's all outdoor seating. And there's a big canopy overhead, and there's a bunch of tables. And as I walked up, I thought, well, those tables seem very close together. That doesn't seem very smart. I thought they're supposed to be far apart. So I say, well, I'm not going to be a baby. So I sat down, and uh, people were sitting right behind me. Like if I leaned my head back, I would have bumped into them with my head. So we sat there, and... uh, there was no wind moving whatsoever, and thanks to the canopy overhead, uh, there's no way the wind was going to get at us. So everyone's breathing all over each other and just swirling around in there, and I thought, this was a mistake. But the upside is we made plans to get together again uh, in the coming weeks, and we're going to uh, make chicken wings, because this cook man says he can make the best chicken wings with the best herb rub on it. So you're going to hang out in his kitchen of his business, and uh, do that the next time we get together. So that's fun. And then today, I had a friend stop by. Randomly, just out of the blue. She said, do you care if I stop by? I'm in your neighborhood. So we hung out on my back deck. And uh, just chilled out and chatted. Until a bee started harassing us. One bee. Wouldn't go away. Kept getting in our faces. So we moved the chairs out to my yard. And the bee kept moving around and following us. And then finally it stung her. Lucky for me, she's not allergic to bee stings. And she didn't give a shit. And she thought it was fine. So that was weird, Uh, and tomorrow I have my friend John coming over, and we're going to hang out on the back deck as long as bees don't attack us, and uh, hopefully we'll have a good time. So look at me, living like, uh, like things are normal, and I'm losing weight. All my walking and dieting has been paying off, and I've got a beautiful, flat stomach. Relatively speaking, it was huge before, and my breasts were full and ripe. Now everything's just kind of more deflated. So that's the one upside of that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I, oh, when I take my walks, I always wear the dumpiest clothes because I've spent all summer and winter wearing the dumpiest clothes because I don't see people. So when I take my walks, I'm still wearing dumpy clothes like big cargo shorts and stuff. And just I look like an idiot. And people kind of steer away from me uh, at the park that I walk around in as if they're afraid of me. Uh, But today I wore a normal shirt and normal shorts, and uh, a woman actually looked at me and smiled and said good morning. So I'm I'm a human being again. Feels like a new age. Let's dive into the book. As always, uh, I'm not going to read about the author because he's, uh, we've already read about him in the first episode of this uh, series. So uh, we're going to read uh, more fun facts about Samuel Langhorn Clemens, also known as Mark Twain. I found a new website called kickassfacts.com. So these are going to be good. And they actually are. They're a little more interesting. Uh, So one being, while penniless and dying, Ulysses S. Grant wrote a book of memoirs so his wife could live off the royalties. Mark Twain heard the best royalty offer was 10% and immediately offered Grant 75%. Eh, Grant's book was a critical uh, and commercial success, giving his wife about $450,000 in royalties. So Mark Twain can be a very nice guy. Uh, And he'll even say things like uh, That he's traveled extensively And he once said Travel is fatal to prejudice Bigotry and narrow-mindedness And many of our people need it sorely on these accounts Broad, wholesome, charitable views Of men and things cannot be acquired By vegetating in one little corner of the earth Which he could have taken his own advice Because of his attitude towards Native Americans and Asians He hated them. So, those were actually pretty good. And I thought, well, maybe I don't have to go to whatthefact.com, but now it's tradition uh, until we get through this book. We're only 77% of the way through the book, uh, according to my Kindle. So, uh, we'll just keep it going. Uh, This time, we're going to read about uh, Charles Dickens. Ah, yes. He was obsessive and compulsive. Uh, This says, obsessive and compulsive are the charms So, whatthefact.com, still horribly translated. Charles Dickens comes from a poor family. But he's fortunate enough to attend school. He was obsessive and compulsive. That's the end of that entry. (laughs) Beautifully written. Uh, Next one, Charles Dickens. The cruel past, which is already good. When he was 11, uh, as a result of his father being in prison and to help provide for his family, he was forced to leave school, uh, take his first job in the blacking, uh, in parentheses, shoe polish, factory, applying the labels to the bottles. In his life, he had never discussed this experience. Uh, let's read one more for the heck of it. It's Dickens, after all. Dickens started to write as a reporter. Uh, he underwrote articles to journals called The Mirror of Parliament and The True Son. He had a secret study room in his house. (laughs) So there you go. All right, well, let's dive into chapters 28 and 29 of uh, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Chapter 28. That night, Tom and Huck were ready. Oh, then my book turned off. Yes, my book turns off. I'm using a Kindle. You people can all... Get a life. I get it. You like paper books. But uh, it's so much easier and cheaper to just grab stuff from the Kindle. When you're doing a podcast, anyways. That night, Tom and Huck were ready for their adventure. Uh, They hung about the neighborhood of the tavern until after nine. One watching the alley at a distance, and the other at the tavern door. Nobody entered the alley or left it. Nobody resembling the Spaniard entered or left the tavern door. The night promised to be a a fair one, so Tom went home, with the understanding that if a considerable degree of darkness came on, Huck was to come and meow, whereupon he would slip out and uh, try the keys. But the night remained uh, clear, and Huck closed his watch and retired to bed in an empty sugar hogshead about twelve. What's a sugar hogshead? Well, it's been a while. I should probably look it up. I haven't looked up anything, and, uh... In quite a while, Uh, Wikipedia says Hogshead. It's a large cask of liquid, or less often, a food commodity. More specifically, it refers to a specified volume measured in either imperial or U.S. customary measures. Primarily applied to alcoholic beverages, such as wine, ale, so it's just a classic barrel, like out of a cartoon, a wood barrel. By the way, I'm drinking pumpkin coffee, because that's suddenly come out at Target. So I'm a pumpkin coffee man again. Okay, so... We just learned that poor Huck Finn is so poor, he sleeps in a barrel. So that's too bad. Tuesday, the boys had the same ill luck. Also Wednesday. Ah, but Thursday night promised better. Uh, Tom slipped out in good season with his aunt's old tin lantern and a large towel to blindfold it with. He hid the lantern in Huck's sugar hod's head, and the watch began. An hour before midnight... Uh, The tavern closed up and its lights, the only ones thereabouts, were put out. No Spaniard had been seen. Nobody had entered or left the alley. Everything was auspicious. The blackness of darkness reigned. The perfect stillness was interrupted only by occasional mutterings of distant thunder. Tom got his lantern and lit it in the hog's head, wrapped it closely in a towel, and the two adventurers crept in the gloom toward the tavern. Huck stood sentry, and Tom felt his way into the alley. Then there was a sensation of waiting anxiety that weighed upon Huck's spirits like a mountain. He began to wish he could see a flash from the lantern. Uh, It would frighten him, but it would at least tell him that Tom was alive yet. It seemed hours since Tom had disappeared. Surely he must have fainted. Uh, Maybe he was dead. Maybe his heart had burst under terror and excitement. In his uneasiness. Huck found himself drawing closer and closer to the alley... "'fearing all sorts of dreadful things, "'and momentarily expecting some catastrophe to happen "'that would take away his breath. There was not much to take away, "'for it seemed only to inhale by, th- by thimblefuls, "'and his heart would soon wear itself out, "'the way it was beating. "'Suddenly there was a flash of light, "'and Tom came tearing by him. "'Run,' said he, "'run for your life!' I didn't need to repeat it. Uh, Once was enough, Huck was making 30 or 40 miles an hour before the repetition was uttered. The boys never stopped till they reached the shed of a deserted slaughterhouse at the lower end of the village. Just as they got within its shelter, the storm burst and the rain poured down. As soon as Tom got his breath, he said, Huck, it was awful. I tried two of the keys, just as soft as I could. But they seemed to make such a power of racket that I couldn't hardly get my breath. I was so scared. They wouldn't turn in the lock, either. Well, without noticing what I was doing, I took hold of the knob, and open comes the door. It wasn't locked. I hopped in and took off the towel and the Great Caesar's ghost. Ah, what? What'd you say, Tom? Oh, Huck, I almost stepped onto Injun Joe's hand. No! Yes, he was lying there, sound asleep, on the floor with his old patch on his eye and his arms spread out. Ah, oh, Lordy, uh, what'd you do it? Did he wake up? Oh no, he never budged. Drunk, I reckon. I just grabbed that towel and started. I'd never have thought of the towel, I bet. Well, I would. My aunt would make me mighty sick if I lost it. Uh, say, uh, say Tom, uh, did you see that box? Huck, I didn't wait to look around. I didn't see the box. I didn't see the cross. I didn't see anything uh, but a bottle and a tin cup on the floor by Injun Joe. Yes, I saw two barrels and lots more bottles in the room. Uh, don't you see now? Uh, what's the matter with that haunted room? Uh, how? Why, it's haunted with whiskey. Maybe all the temperance taverns have got a haunted room. Uh, hey, Huck. Oh, uh, Well, I reckon maybe that's so. Who'd, who'd have thought such a thing? But, but say, Tom, uh, now's a mighty good time to get that box if Injun Joe's drunk. Uh, it is that. You try it. Huck shuddered. Uh, well, no, I reckon not. And I reckon not, Huck. Only one bottle alongside of Injun Joe ain't enough. If there'd been three, he'd be drunk enough and I'd do it. There was a long pause for reflection. And then Tom said, uh, Looky here, Huck. Let's not try that thing anymore till we know Injun Joe's not in there. Eh, it's too scary. Now if we watch every night, we'll be dead sure to... Uh, to see him go out, some time or other, and then we'll snatch that box quicker than lightning. Uh, well, I'm agreed, and I'll watch the whole night long, and I'll, I'll do it every night, too, if, if you'll do the other part of the job. All right, I will. All, all you gotta do is to trot up to Hooper Street a block and meow if I'm asleep. You throw some gravel at the window, and that'll fetch me. Agreed, and good as wheat. Now, Huck, uh, the storm's over. And I'll go home, and it'll be, uh, begin to be daylight in a couple hours. Uh, you go back and watch that long, will you? I said I would, Tom, and I will. I haint the tavern every night for a year. Oh, haunt. It's H-A-apostrophe-N-T, so haint. I don't know, whatever. I'll sleep all day, and I'll stand watch all night. Ah, that's all right. Now, uh, where are you going to sleep? And hey, Ben Rogers, Hayloft. He, he lets me. And so does uh, his paps. Ooh, N-word man. Boy, that almost came out of my mouth too I was on a roll there Uncle Jake I tote water for Uncle Jake whenever he wants me to And any time I ask him uh, He gives me a little something to eat So he can spare it Uh, He's a mighty good N-word, Tom (laughs) He likes me because I don't ever act As if I was above him Sometime I've sat right down And eat with him Oh, well, isn't that nice of him? Well, you needn't tell that. A body's got to do things when he's awful hungry. He wouldn't want uh, to do a steady thing. Well, if I don't want you in the daytime, I'll let you sleep. I won't come bothering around. Anytime you see something's up in the night, uh, just skip right around and meow. Ah, chapter 29. The first thing Tom heard on Friday morning was a glad piece of news. Judge Thatcher's family had come back to town the night before. Oh, both Injun Joe and the treasure sunk into secondary importance for a moment, and Becky took the chief place in the boy's interest. He saw her, and they had an exhausting good time playing uh, a hipsy and gully keeper with a crowd of their schoolmates. Ah, uh, the day was completed and crowned in a particularly satisfactory way. Becky teased her mother to appoint the next day for the long-promised and long-delayed picnic and she consented. Ah, the child's delight was boundless And Tom's not more moderate The invitations were sent uh, Before sunset And straight away The young folks of the village Were thrown into a fever Of preparation And pleasurable anticipation Tom's excitement Enabled him to keep awake Until a pretty late hour And he had good hopes Of hearing Huxby yow And having his treasure To astonish Becky And the picnickers with The next day uh, But he was disappointed No single came that night Morning came Eventually, and by 10 or 11 o'clock, a giddy and rollicking company was gathered at Judge Thatcher's, and everything was ready for a start. It was not the custom for uh, uh, elderly people to mar the picnics with their presents. Uh, the children were considered safe enough under the wings of a few young ladies of 18, uh, and a few young gentlemen of 23 or thereabouts. Uh, the old steam ferry boat was chartered for the occasion, presently the gay throng, filled up the main street, laden with provisioned baskets. Sid was sick and had to miss the fun. Mary remained at home to entertain him, and the last thing Miss Thatcher said to Becky was, uh, uh, you'll not get back till late. Perhaps you better stay all night with some of the girls that live near the ferry landing, child. Uh, then I'll stay with Susie Harper, mama. Very well, and mind you behave yourself and don't be any trouble. Presently, as they tripped along, Tom said to Becky, uh, say, uh, "'Say, I'll tell you what we'll do. "'Instead of going to Joe Harper's, yeah, "'we'll climb right up the hill uh, and stop at the Widow Douglas. Oh, yeah, she, "'She'll have ice cream. If "'She has it most every day, dead loads of it. Oh, and "'She'll be awful glad to have us. "'Oh, that'll be fun.' And then Becky reflected a moment and said, yeah, "'But what will Mama say? I mean, "'How she'll ever know?' The girl turned the idea over in her mind and said reluctantly, I reckon it's, uh, wrong, but... Yeah, but shucks, your mother won't know, and so what's the harm? All she wants is that you'll be safe. And I'll bet you she'd have said, Go there, if she'd have thought of it. I know she would. The widow Douglass Splendid hospitality was a tempting bait. It and Tom's persuasions presently carried the day, so it was decided to say nothing, anybody, about the night's program. Presently, it occurred to Tom that maybe Huck might come this very night and give the signal. The thought took a deal of spirit out of his anticipations. Still, he could not bear to give up the fun at Widow Douglas's. And why should he give it up, he reasoned. The signal did not come the night before, so why should it be any more likely to come tonight? Ah, The sure fun of the evening outweighed the uncertain treasure, and boy, like he determined to yield to stronger inclination and not allow himself to think of the box of money at the time that day. Three miles below town, the ferryboat stopped at the mouth of Woody Hollow and tied up. The crowd swarmed ashore, and soon the forest distances and craggy heights echoed far and near with shoutings and laughter. All the different ways of getting hot and tired were gone through with, and by and by the rovers straggled back to camp fortified with reasonable appetites. Burp. And then the destruction of the good things began. After the feast... Ah, there was a refreshing season of rest And chat in the shade of the the spreading oaks By and by, someone shouted "Uh, who's ready for the cave? Everybody was Bundles of candles were procured And straight away, there was a general scamper up the hill The mouth of the cave was up the hillside An opening shaped like the letter A Its massive oaken door stood unbarred Within was a small chamber Chilly as an ice house "'and walled by nature with solid limestone that was dewy, with a cold sweat. "'It was romantic and mysterious to stand here in the deep gloom "'and look out upon the green valley shining in the sun. "'But the impressiveness of the situation quickly wore off, and the romping began again. "'The moment a candle was lighted, there was a general rush upon the owner of it. "'A struggle, and a gallant uh, defense followed.' But the candle was soon knocked down or blown out, and there was a glad clamor of laughter at the new chase. All things have an end. By and by, I saying by and by a lot in this chapter, the procession went filing down the steep descent of the main avenue. The flickering rank of lights dimly revealing the lofty walls of rock almost uh, to their point of junction 60 feet overhead. This main avenue was not more than mm, ah, mm, 8 or 10 feet wide. Every few steps other lofty and still narrower crevices branched from it on either end. Uh, from MacDougall's cave there was a vast labyrinth of crooked aisles that ran into each other and out again and led nowhere. It was said that one might wander uh, days and nights together through its intricate tangle of rifts and chasms and never find the end of the cave, and that he might go down and down and still down into the earth, and it was just the same, labyrinth, under labyrinth, and no end of any of them. No man, quote, knew the cave. That was an impossible thing. Most of the young men uh, knew a portion of it and it was not customary to venture much beyond this known portion. Tom Sawyer knew as much of the cave as anyone. The procession moved along the main avenue, some three-quarters of a mile, and then groups and couples began to slip aside into branch avenues, fly along the dismal corridors, and take each other by surprise at points where the corridor joined again. Parties were able to elude each other, for the space of half an hour without going beyond the, quote, known ground. By and by, he writes again, one group after another came straggling back to the mouth of the cave, panting, hilarious, smeared from head to foot with tallow drippings. Do you mean like bat poop? Daubed with clay and entirely delighted ah, with the success of the day. And they were astonished to find that they had been taking no note of time and that night was about at hand. The clanging bell had been calling for half an hour. However, this sort of close-to-the-day's adventures was romantic and therefore satisfactory. When the ferryboat, with her wild fright, pushed into the stream, nobody cared sixpence for the wasted time but the captain of the craft. Huck was already upon his watch when the ferryboat's lights went glinting past the wharf. He heard no noise on board... For the young people were as subdued and still as people usually are who are nearly tired to death. He wondered uh, what boat it was and why she did not stop at the wharf. And then he dropped uh, her out of his mind and put his attention upon his business. The night was growing cloudy and dark. Ten o'clock came and the noise of vehicles ceased. Scattered lights began to wink out All straggling foot passengers disappeared The village betook itself in the slumbers And left the small watcher alone With the silence and the ghosts Eleven o'clock came And the tavern lights were put out Darkness everywhere now Huck waited for It seemed a weary long time uh, But uh, nothing happened His faith was weakening Was there any use? Uh, Was there really any use? Why not give up and turn in? Ah, but a noise fell upon his ear. He was all attention in an instant. The alley door closed softly. He sprang to the corner of the brick store. The next moment, two men brushed by him, and one seemed to have something under his arm. Ah, it must be that box. So they were going to remove the treasure. Why call Tom now? It'd be absurd. The men would get away with the box and never be found again. No, he would stick to their wake and follow them. He would trust to the darkness for security from discovery. So, communing with himself, Huck stepped out and glided along behind the men. Ooh, cat-like with bare feet. Again, that's so sad. Uh, allowing them to keep just far enough ahead not to be invisible. They moved up the river street three blocks, then turned to the left up a cross street. They went straight ahead, then, until they came to the path that led up the Cardiff Hill. They, this they took. They passed by the old Welshman's house halfway up the hill without hesitating and still climbed upward. Good, thought Huck. They will bury it in the old quarry. But they never stopped at the quarry. They passed on, up the summit. They plunged into the narrow path between the tall summit, sumac? Oh, look at that, sumac. I can actually pronounce it, bushes. And were at once hidden in the gloom. Huck closed up and shortened his distance now, for they would never be able to see him. I trotted along a long while Then slackened his pace Fearing that he was gaining too fast uh, Moved on a piece And then stopped altogether Listened No sound None Save that he seemed to hear The beating of his own heart The hooting of an owl uh, Came over the hill Ominous sound Exclamation point But no footsteps Heavens Was everything lost Exclamation point Shouldn't there be a question mark He was about to spring With winged feet When a man cleared his throat Not four feet from him Huck's heart shot into his throat, but he swallowed it again, and then he stood there, shaking as if a dozen. aguz Ooh. Let's see how you pronounce that. Agu Malaria, or some other illness involving fever and shivering. Okay, as if a dozen agues Had taken charge of him at once, and so weak that he thought he must surely fall to the ground. He knew where he was. He knew he was within five steps of the style leading into the Widow Douglas's grounds. Very well, he thought, let them bury it there. It won't be hard to find. Now, there was a voice, a very low voice, Injun Joe's. Uh, Damn her. Maybe she's got company. There's lights, late as it is. I can't see any. This was that stranger's voice, the stranger of the haunted house, a deadly chill went into Huck's heart. Then was the revenge job. He thought his thought was uh, uh, to fly, but he remembered that the widow Douglas had been kind to him more than once and maybe these men were going to murder her. He wished he dared venture to warn her, but he knew he didn't dare. They might come and catch him. Uh, He thought all this and more in the moment that elapsed between the stranger's remark and Injun Joe's next, which was, uh, quote, "'Because the bush is in your way. "'Now, this way. Uh, "'Now you see, uh, don't you?' Ah, yes, well, there is company there, I reckon. Better give it up. Give it up? And I just leaving this country forever? Give it up and maybe never have another chance? I'll tell you again, as I've told you before, I don't care for her swag. (laughs) You may have it. But her husband was rough on me. Many times he has been rough on me, and mainly he has the justice of the peace that judged me for a vagrant. Hell, that ain't all. It ain't a millionth part of it. He had me horse-whipped, uh, horse in front of the jail, like an N-word. Ugh. Man, these are just thrown in everywhere. The reason why I'm so shocked about it, I mean, it's like I know they're in the book, is that I nearly almost say it because I'm on a roll of reading, and I'm not really paying attention. With all the town looking on, horse-whipped. Uh, do you understand? And he took advantage of me and died. Oh, but I'll take it out of her. Oh, well, don't kill her. Don't do that. Oh, kill? Who said anything about killing? Uh, I would kill him if he was here, oh, but not her. Uh, when you when you want to get revenge on a woman, you don't kill her. Uh, bosh, you go for her looks. Ah, oh, you slit her nostrils. You notch your ears like a sow. Oh, by God, that's... Keep your opinion to yourself. It'll be safest for you. Uh, I'll tie her to the bed, and uh, if she bleeds to death, uh, is it my fault? Eh... Uh, I'll not cry if she does. Uh, My friend, you'll help me in this thing, uh, for my sake. That's why you're here. I mightn't be able alone. Oh, if you flinch, I'll kill you. Do you understand that? And if I have to kill you, I'll kill her. And then I reckon uh, nobody will ever know much about who done this business. Well, if it's got to be done, uh, let's get at it. The quicker the better. Oh, I'm all a shiver. Do it now. In company there? Look here. I'll get suspicious of you, uh, first thing you know. Uh, "'No, we'll wait till the lights are out. Uh, There's no hurry.'" Huck felt that a silence was going to ensue, a thing still more awful than any amount of murderous talk. So he held his breath and stepped gingerly back and planted his foot carefully and firmly after balancing, one-legged in a precarious way, and almost toppling over, uh, first on one side and then on the other, he took another step back. Uh, with the same elaboration and the same risks. Then another, uh, uh, and then another, uh, uh, and then a twig snapped under his foot. Oh, his breath stopped, and he listened. There was no sound, and the stillness was perfect. His gratitude was measureless. Now he turned in his tracks, uh, between the walls of sumac bushes, uh, and t- t- turned himself as carefully, as if he were a ship. And then he stepped quickly and cautiously along. Uh, when he emerged at the quarry, he felt secure, and so he picked up his nimble heels and flew down, down, he sped, until he reached the Welshman's, and he banged on the door. And Presently, the heads of the old man and his two stalwart sons were thrust from the windows. Uh, what's a the row there? Uh, uh who's, who's banging? Uh, what do you want? Uh, let me in quick, I'll tell everything. Uh, why, who are you? Yeah, Huckleberry Finn, quick, let me in A Huckleberry Finn, indeed I didn't name To open many doors, I judge Well, that hurts But let him in, lads And let's see what he's got trouble Please don't ever tell I told you Were Huck's first words when he got in Please don't, I'll be killed, sure But the widow's been good friends to me sometimes and And I want to tell I will tell, if you'll promise You won't ever say it was me well, "'By George, he has something to tell, "'or he wouldn't act so,' exclaimed the old man. "'Out with it, uh, and nobody here will ever tell that.' Three minutes later, the old man and his sons, "'well-armed, were up a hill, "'just entering the Sumac Path at, by tiptoe, "'with their weapons in their hands. "'Huck accompanied them no further. "'He hid behind a great boulder and fell to listening. Uh, "'There was a lagging, anxious silence, "'and then all of a sudden, "'there was an explosion of firearms and a cry. "'Huck waited.' for no particulars. He sprang away and sped down the hill as fast as his legs could carry him. Well, I was going to stop there, but uh, so far this episode's only 30 minutes long. Uh, and i got to finish this book, because summer's coming to a close. Can't read Huck Finn until October. So let's read one more chapter. Chapter 30. Uh, we don't want to leave on a cliffhanger like that. As the earliest suspicion of dawn appeared on Sunday morning, Huck came groping up the hill and rapped gently at the old Welshman's door. The inmates were asleep. But it was a sleep that was set on a hair trigger. On account of the exciting episode of the night, a call came from a window. Uh, who's there? Huck's scared voice answered in a low tone. Please let me in. Oh, it's only Huck Finn. It's a name... That can open this door day or night, lad, and welcome. These were strange words to the vagabond boy's ear. That's sad. And the pleasantest he had ever heard. That's also sad. He could not recollect that the closing word had ever been applied in his case before. The door was quickly unlocked and he entered. Huck was given a seat and the old man and his brace of tall sons speedily dressed themselves. Ah, Now, my boy, I hope you are good and hungry, because breakfast will be ready as soon as the sun's up. And we'll have a piping hot one, too. Oh, make yourself easy about that. I and the boys hoped you'd turn up and stop here last night. I was awful scared, said Huck. Uh, And I run. (laughs) And I run. I took out when the pistols went off, and I didn't stop for three miles. I've come now because I want to know about it, you know. And I come before daylight because I didn't want to run across them devils, even if they're dead. Well, poor chap, uh, you do look as if you've had a hard night of it. Ah, but there's a bed here for you and when you've had your breakfast. No, they ain't dead, lad. We are sorry enough for that. Uh, "'You see, we knew right where to put our hands on them, "'and by your description, so we crept along on tiptoe "'till we got within 15 feet of them, uh, dark as a cellar.' "'Ooh, that sumac path was. "'And just then I found I was going to sneeze. "'It was the meanest kind of luck. "'I tried to keep it back. "'Ah, it's no use. It was bound to come. Uh, "'And it did come! Exclamation point. "'I was in the lead, uh, with my pistol raised, "'and when the sneeze started, ah, "'those scoundrels are rustling uh, to get out of the path.' Uh, I sung, fire boys, and uh, blazed away at the path where the rustling was. So did the boys, uh, but they were off in a jiffy, those villains, and we were after them. Down through the woods. I judge we never touched them. They fired a shot apiece as they started out, but their bullets whizzed by and didn't do us any harm. Uh, As soon as we lost the sound of their feet, uh, we quit chasing and went down and stirred up the constables. They got a posse together. "'and went off to guard the riverbank, "'and as soon as the light, the sheriff and a gang "'are going to beat up the woods. "'My boys will be with them presently. "'I wish as uh, we had some sort of description of those rascals, twould help a good deal, uh, "'but you couldn't see what they were like in the, in the dark, lad, I suppose. "'Oh, yes, I saw them downtown and followed them. "'Ah, splendid. Describe them. Describe them, my boy.' Uh, one's the old deaf and dumb Spaniard, uh, it's been around here once or twice, and t'others, a mean-looking, ragged, oh, that's enough, lad, we know the men, happened on them in the woods, back, of the widows one day, and they slunk away. Off with you boys, and tell the sheriff, get your breakfast tomorrow morning. They don't want to know about Injun Joe. The Welshman's son departed at once, and as they were leaving the room, Huck sprang up and exclaimed, oh, please don't tell anybody it was me that blowed on them, oh, please. All right, if you say it, Huck, but you ought to get the credit for what you did. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. Please don't tell. When the young men were gone, the old Welshman said, They won't tell, and I won't. Well, why don't you want it known? Huck would not explain. Further than that to say he was already knew too much about one of those men would not have, a, have the man know that he knew anything against him for the whole world. That was a little wordy. He would be killed for knowing it, sure. The old man promised secrecy once more and said, uh, uh, "'How'd you come to follow these fellows, lad? Uh, were they looking suspicious?' Huck was silent while he framed a duly cautious reply. Then he said, "'Uh, mm, well, you see, uh kind of had a hard lot. At least everybody says so, and I don't see nothing agin it. Uh, and sometimes I can't sleep much on account of thinking about it and uh, sort of trying to strike out a new way of doing.' That was the way of it. Uh, Last night, I couldn't sleep. Uh, So I come along up street about midnight, uh, turning it all over, and then then I got this old shackly brick store by the Temperance Tavern, and I backed up again the wall uh, to have another think. Well, then just along comes these two chaps slipping along close by me with something under his arm, and I reckoned uh, they stole it. One was a-smoking, and t'other, one wanted a light. So they stopped right before me, and the cigars lit up their faces, and I could see the big one was deaf and dumb Spaniard. And by his white whiskers and the patch on one eye, the t'other was a rusty, ragged-looking devil. Could you see the rags by the light of the scars? This staggered Huck for a moment. Then he said, I don't know, but somehow it seems as if I did. Then they went on, and you? I followed them. "Mm, Yes, Uh, that was it. I wanted to see what was up. They sneaked along, so I dodged them in the whittler style and and stood in the dark and heard the ragged one beg for the widler, Widder. Oh, widder. Well, whatever. I'm just a man. And the Spaniard swear he, he'd spile her looks, uh, just as I told you, and your two... What? The deaf and dumb man said all that? Huck made another terrible mistake. He was trying his best to keep the old man from getting the faintest hint of who the Spaniard might be, and yet his tongue seemed determined to get him into trouble in spite of all he could do. He made several efforts to creep out of the scrape, uh, but the old man's eye was upon him, and he made blunder after blunder. Presently, the Welshman said, My boy, don't you be afraid of me. I wouldn't hurt a hair on your head uh, for all the world. No, I'd protect you. I'd protect you. This, uh, uh, Spaniard... It's not deaf and dumb. You let that slip without intending it. You can't cover that up now. You know something about the Spaniard that you want to keep dark. Now trust me, tell me what it is, and trust me, I won't betray you. Huck looked into the old man's honest eyes a moment, and then bent over and whispered in his ear, Taint a Spaniard, it's Injun Joe. The Welshman almost jumped out of his chair. In a moment, he said, "'Ah, oh, it's all plain enough now. Uh, "'When you talked about notching ears and slitting noses, "'I judge that was your uh, own embellishment "'because white men don't take that sort of revenge. "'But an Injun, oh, Jesus, "'that's a matter uh, different altogether.'" During breakfast, the talk went on, and in the course of it, the old man said that the last thing which he and his sons had done before going to bed was get a lantern and examine the style and uh, its vicinity for marks of blood. They found none. "'but captured a bulky bundle of... of what?' "'If the words had been lightning, "'they could not have leapt with more stunning suddenness "'from Huck's blanched lips. "'His eyes were staring wide now, and his breath suspended, "'waiting for the answer. "'The Welshman started, stared in return, "'and three seconds, five seconds, ten seconds replied, "'Of burglar's tools! Why, that's what's the matter with you!' "'Huck sank back, panting gently. But deeply Unutterably grateful The Welshman eyed him gravely Curiously And presently said Yes Burglar's tools That appears to uh, uh, To relieve you a good deal Uh, But what did you do in turn? What were you expecting we'd found? Huck Was in a close place The inquiring eye was upon him And he would have given anything For material for a plausible answer Nothing suggested itself The inquiring eye was boring deeper and deeper A senseless reply offered There was no time to weigh it so at adventure, he uttered it feebly, eh, Sunday school books, maybe?' Yeah, poor Huck was too distressed to smile, but the old man laughed loud and joyously, uh, shook up the details of his anatomy from head to foot, and ended by saying that such a laugh was money in a man's pocket, because it cut down the doctor's bill like everything. Then he added, "'Ah, eh, poor old chap, you're white and jaded. You ain't uh, well a bit. No wonder you're a little flighty and off your balance, but... You'll come out of it. Uh, rest and sleep. Uh, we'll fetch you out all right, I hope. Huck was irritated uh, to think he had been a goose and betrayed such a uh, suspicious excitement, uh, for he had dropped the idea that the parcel brought from the tavern was the treasure. As soon as he had heard the talk of the widow's style, uh, he had only thought it was not the treasure. However, he had not known it wasn't, so the suggestion of a captured bundle was too much for his self-possession. But the whole, he felt glad the little episode had happened. For now, he knew beyond all question that the bundle was not THE bundle. And so his mind was at rest and exceedingly comfortable. In fact, everything seemed to be drifting just in the right direction now. The treasure must still be in number two. The men would be captured and jailed that day. And he and Tom could seize the gold that night without any trouble or fear of interruption. Just as breakfast was completed, uh, there was a knock at the door. Uh, Huck jumped for a hiding place, for he had no mind to be connected even remotely. With the late event, the Welshman admitted several ladies and gentlemen, along with them, the widow Douglas, and noticed that groups of citizens were climbing up the hill to stare at the stile. So the news had spread. The Welshman had to tell the story of the night to the visitors, and the widow's gratitude for her preservation was outspoken. Don't say a word about it, madam. Uh, There's another... "'that you're more beholden to uh, "'than you are to me and my boys, maybe, "'but uh, we won't allow me to tell his name. "'We wouldn't have been out there but for him.' "'Of course, this excited a curiosity so vast "'that it almost belittled the main matter. "'But the Welshman allowed it to eat into the vitals of his visitors, "'and through them he transmitted to the whole town, "'for he refused to part with his secret. "'When all else had been learned, the widow said, "Uh, "'I went to sleep.' reading in bed and slept straight through all the noise. Why don't you come and wake me? Yeah, We judged it wasn't worthwhile. Those fellows weren't likely to come again. Uh, They hadn't any tools left to work with. And what was the use of waking you up uh, and scaring you to death? My three mm, N-word men. Not the real N-word, but the still offensive but slightly less offensive N-word. Stood guard at your house all the rest of the night. They've just come back. More visitors came, and the story had to be told and retold a couple hours more. There was no Sabbath school uh, during day school vacation, uh, but everybody was early at church. The stirring event was well-canvassed. News came that not a sign of the two villains had uh, been yet discovered. When the sermon was finished, Judge Thatcher's wife dropped uh, alongside of Miss Harper as she moved down the aisle with the crowd and said, uh, is my Becky going to sleep all day? I just expected she'd be tired of death. Uh, your Becky? Uh, yes, she said with a startled look. Didn't she stay with you last night? Uh, no. no. Miss Thatcher turned pale and sank into a pew, just as Aunt Polly, talking briskly with a friend, passed by. Aunt Polly said, uh, Good morning, Miss Thatcher. Uh, good morning, Miss Harper. Uh, I got a boy that's turned up missing. I reckon my Tom stayed at your house last night. Uh, one of you. And now he's afraid to come to church. I gotta settle with them. Oh, Miss Thatcher shook her head feebly and, and turned paler than ever. Uh, he didn't stay with us, said Miss Harper, beginning to look uneasy. A mixed anxiety came into Aunt Polly's face. Uh, Joe Harper, have you seen my Tom this morning? Know him? Uh, when'd you see him last? Yeah, Joe tried to remember, but he was not sure he could say that the people had stopped moving out of the church. Whispers passed along and the boding and took possession of every countenance. Children were anxiously questioned, and young teachers. They all said they had not noticed whether Tom and Becky were on board the ferry boat. On the homeward trip, it was dark. Uh, no one thought of inquiring if anyone was missing. One young man finally blurted out his fear that they were still in the cave. Oh, Miss Thatcher swooned away. Aunt Polly fell crying and wringing her hands. The alarm swept from lip to lip from group to group, from street to street, and within five minutes the bells were wildly clanging and the whole town was up. All the Cardiff Hill episodes sank into instant insignificance, the burglars were forgotten, horses were saddled, skiffs uh, were manned, uh, the ferryboat ordered out, and before the horror was a half hour old, two hundred men were pouring down high road and river toward the cave. All along the afternoon the village seemed uh, empty and dead. Uh, Many women visited Aunt Polly and Miss Thatcher and tried to comfort them. They cried with them, too, and it was still better than words. All the tedious night, the town waited for news, but when the morning dawned at last, all the word that came was, uh, send more candles and send food. Oh, Miss Thatcher was almost crazed. And Aunt Polly, too. Uh, Judge Thatcher sent messages of hope ah, and encouragement from the cave. Uh, They conveyed uh, no real cheer. The old Welshman came home toward daylight, spattered with candle grease, smeared with clay, and almost worn out. He found Huck still in bed, uh, that had been provided for him, and delirious with fever. The physicians were all at the cave, so the widow Douglas came and, and uh, took charge of the patient. She said that she would do her best by him, because whether he was good or bad or indifferent, he was the Lord's, and nothing that was the Lord's was a thing to be neglected. The Welshman said Huck had good spots in him, and the widow said, "Uh, "'You can uh, depend on it. Uh, That's the Lord's mark, Uh, but he don't leave it off. He never does. He puts it somewhere on every creature that comes in his hands.'" Early in the afternoon, forenoon, sorry, uh, parties of jaded men began to straggle into the village, Uh, but the strongest of the citizens continued searching. All the news that could be gained was the remoteness of the cavern were being ransacked that had never been visited before that every corner of the crevice had been gone through thoroughly searched. And wherever one wandered through the maze of passages, lights were being uh, seen flittering hither and thither in the distance, and shoutings and pistol shots sent their hollow reverberations to the ear down the somber aisles. In one place, uh, far from the section, usually traversed by tourists, the names Becky and Tom had been found traced upon the rocky wall uh, with candle smoke. "'and near, the, uh, near at hand a grease-soiled bit of ribbon. "'Miss Thatcher recognized the ribbon and cried over it. "'She said it was the last relic she should ever have of her child "'and that no other memorial of hers could ever be so precious, "'because this one parted latest from the living room, uh, living body Sorry, "'before the awful death came. "'Some said now and then then a cave far away speck of light would glimmer "'and then a glorious shout. "'would burst forth, and a score of men "'go trooping down the echoing aisle. "'And then a sickening disappointment always followed. "'The children were not there. "'It was only a searcher's light. Three deadful dreadful days and nights "'dragged their tedious hours along. "'And the village sank into hopeless stupor. "'No one had a heart for anything. "'The accidental discovery just made, uh, "'the proprietor of the Temperance Tavern "'kept liquor on his premises, scarcely fluttered. Uh, "'The public pulse.' Tremendous, as the fact was At a lucid interval Huck feebly led up to the subject of the taverns And finally asked, dimly dreading the worst If anything had been discovered At the Temperance Tavern since he had been ill Yes, said the widow Huck started up in bed Wild-eyed uh, What What was it? The liquor And the place had been shut up Lie down, child What a turn you did give me uh, Only just tell me one thing uh, Just one, please Was it Tom Sawyer that found it? "'The widow uh, burst into tears. "'Ah, hush, child, hush, hush, child. "'I've told you before, you must not talk. "'You are very, very sick. "'Then nothing but liquor had been found. "'There would have been a great pow "'if there had been gold. "'So the treasure was gone forever. "'Gone forever. "'But what could she be crying about?' "'Wow, I think I'm reading too much "'because I'm starting to screw up all sorts of words. "'Curious that she should cry.' These thoughts worked their dim way through Huck's mind, and under the weariness that gave him, he fell asleep. The widow said to herself, There, he's asleep, poor wreck. Tom Sawyer find it. Pity, but somebody could find Tom Sawyer. Ah, there ain't many left now that's got hope enough or strength enough either to go on searching. Well, I really started to produce some verbal garbage there towards the end. I'll never try to read three chapters in a row again. Uh, Apparently, it's too laborious for my mouth. What do we learn here today in this uh, episode? We had uh, Tom and Huck spying on the two thieves, waiting for them to uh, reach a point where they can go steal some gold and whatnot. Uh, Didn't really work out. Weird that Tom burst into the room with his lantern and looked around and stuff didn't get caught that was kind of a weird little twist after that becky thatcher's back and he doesn't care about the gold anymore he just wants to impress becky and talks her into sneaking off to go get some ice cream and then there's the uh the excitement of uh injun joe and the spaniard going to go get revenge against uh the widow and then they get chased off so they never get caught and uh then now tom and becky are missing How does this tie in with what I said earlier? Mm, Doesn't. I actually had a good week. I felt like life was normal again. Maybe just like Tom felt like life was normal when Becky was back. Oh, and he dived right into that and ignored all the dangers. Much like I ignored the dangers by going out to eat at a restaurant that clearly was just going to give everyone disease. So we'll see how I turn up in a week. Uh, And maybe just like Tom and Becky, disappearing. I will get COVID. There you go. Masterfully tied everything all in together again, just like I always do. Why I am not more famous, I have no idea. I have a new mic stand. Uh, It clamps onto the table like a lamp, and uh, that makes life a heck of a lot easier. I don't have to worry about accidentally knocking over the stand that holds my mic. So, uh, just more hubris on my part as uh, my health will probably continue to decline as the week goes on. I'm sure that I won't uh, record another episode because I'll be too busy looking at uh, photos of my family with a single tear in my eye whispering the words goodbye, because I'll be dying of COVID. So with that, thanks for listening, and uh, I will talk to you uh, later next week. ¶¶